Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first, Frankie Stan Janet, and the host of the Schmodown Rundown, Brad Gilmore. What's up, Movie Trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. You might know me as The Boat. Hashtag best of all time. Hashtag Brad's Penis True. Hashtag Boat Life. Hashtag I'm on a boat. And joining me, the days are ticking. I'm not wearing a watch, but I know that the days are ticking, the clock is ticking, and we are counting down. We are counting down to a joyous day in this man's life. February the 17th, he's packing up his game, and he's a head out west where real women come equipped with scripts and fake breasts. His name is Frank Janish. Frank, how's everything going? Do you want to be a cowboy, baby? Uh, what? Wow, I don't even know what to say to all of that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. This is, I think, my second to last show in Chicago. Next next week will be my last show recording from Chicago. So, uh, yeah, we're we're almost there. The yeah, it's it's about that time. Is it feeling real? Yeah, because I finally got the the dates that I needed to know, and so now that everything's kind of in place, all I have to do is kind of. Start packing up my stuff and, and throwing out stuff and doing all that, all all that fun fun stuff. stuff. So, not looking forward to it. I wish I could just get up and go. You know, I said stuff a lot, right? It was, you said it like five I noticed times. that I was saying stuff a lot, and I'm still saying stuff a lot. <laughs> That's just the stuff I say. It's just yeah, yeah. You're not a very uh, eloquent man. What can I say? Um, yeah, I think that uh, it's gonna it's gonna be kind of a it's it's a. Not only is it a new season and a new era for the movie Trivia Schmodown, it's going to be a new era for the Schmodown Rundown. Not looking forward to you being in PST. I'll be honest with you. That's probably like my thing that I dislike the most about your move. But it's fine. We'll adjust. We'll make it work. I'm not worried yeah. about making it work. But I don't like it. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, because uh, you have your certain type of schedule. My schedule will be changing. I'm not exactly sure. With you know my real job and how it's going to affect everything else and the time change, but we'll figure it out. We'll get there. We'll make yeah, it I mean, work. We're, we're gonna do it. We're gonna. Or I'll do just it. replace you. That's fine. Hey man, you want to be the first you time? Know, <laughs> you know, that's what you do. It yeah. seems that's just what you do. When you get tired hey. of somebody, you just drop. Them. <laughs> and then I, yeah, and I've had to go to drastic lengths this this time around. I've had to move across the country just to you know to hide just the real reason. The yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Are yeah. you uh, Now I know that you're the most tenured person on the show. Have I officially crossed as the second? I think so. Running? Yeah, it's I funny. Have? Uh I was looking back. I like to look back at the numbers for the show just on a very superficial level in terms of like YouTube views and and keep track of how many episodes. I I look back at it every once few months, every few months and I think you are now the second most tenured uh host on the show. I beat I them so. all out. Yeah. I beat them all. I beat them all, Frank Janish. Yeah. Well, um, we we have we have we have um, some to discuss. We only have one match since we did our breakdown of Brooklyn last week, which caused some consternation. I think I said that word correctly amongst the um, movie trivia showdown viewers, fans, players alike. We had a couple of topics that went off. I wish though last week that I could have watched backstage in its entirety. Before we did the show, because I we were talking about the Bibiani 
a challenge oh, yeah. uh, for the Sir Richard Attenborough. And he went on backstage and explained what he was thinking. And then I didn't look at it as 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 negatively, I guess, as I did prior. Because before I looked at it like, oh, man, come on, man, what are you doing? Afterward, I thought, oh, okay. I kind of see what, where he's coming from a little bit more. And I, I had to hit him in the DMs and let him know that, that, that hey, brace yourself for Saturday. I may have gone in. <laughs> so yeah. Just so yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but Bibbs but Bibbs um um really really I thought explained himself well and I understand it but again I still stand behind this statement and because this has been talked about enough but I still stand behind this statement. Have your manager do all the challenges, stay out of it. You know what I mean? Call it yeah. t- quick, tee it up. Be like, oh wait, hold on, I need to talk to my manager real quick, and then psh, let him do it. That's just that's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. Any you you don't have to have any responses to that. No, the only thing, difference. kind of just to follow up on that is the only thing that I, I I think that I'm kind of entrenched with is never take points away from yourself if you can help it. Yeah, and I guess there will be certain special situations, and maybe that triple threat was that special situation. But I, I just think don't ever take away a win or points from yourself. And right, you come back to bite you. Well, my thing was um, more than that, and, and this is this is a larger question. Let me ask it to you now. This season, because I, I, I talked to a few people, uh, fans of the show, listeners of the show, in the in the comments on Twitter. What's more important, individual wins or team wins? I'm talking about like in terms of faction as a team, or just like your yeah yeah, yeah faction. So like I mean, because because the argument for was well, hey. It doesn't matter who wins the title between Bibbs and the kid. You know, a win is a win for their faction. We're playing right. for factions this year, which I understand. But the championships are still, the, the in my opinion, the most important thing in the league. Sure, win, your team winning at the end of the season is is cool. And, I mean, it should be an overall goal, especially for your managers to uh, strategize for. But your individual goal is not only to get a win for your faction, it's to get the championship. That's what your role as an individual on the team is. It's the manager's role to worry about racking up enough points to win at the end of the season. Yeah, so I think a few weeks ago I put up a a poll in the Facebook group in terms of what would you rather have at the end of the season? The most points for your faction uh, and never winning any belts during the season? Would you rather have all the belts? Or And then uh, I think... There's another option someone put up there uh, having, like, the best storylines or something like that. Um, and the vote that came – or the the option that came in with the most votes was uh, having the belts and not winning, you know, the faction um, – most points for a faction in the season. And I think because right now we're in this transitional phase between individual competition and team-oriented competition, uh, a team effort, because right now I think – if you gave the option to a faction, let's say, well, you'll have all the belts by the end of the year, but your faction won't be the number one faction with the most points. What would you rather take? The most points in a faction or all the belts? And I think 99%, 95% of the players in the, in the league would all say, I'd rather have all the belts in my faction as opposed to having the most points as a whole. Because the belts are that prestigious, have been for so long in the Schmodown, and I think as we make the transition to a more team-oriented type of uh, sport in, 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 the, in the Schmodown, I think that mentality could change and might change. But also, 
right now we don't really know the overall incentive like what's the grand prize for having the most points i think once we have that in place that could certainly change people's minds and and competitors and fans alike so until we get that um revealed then i think you know right now it's people are going to lean towards having just all the belts as opposed to winning you know the faction war of the season if you will well and you know what i think that that's a good point um as soon as we know what the overall prize is. And and here's the thing, though, that we have to remember. And some people might not like this. But there are certain players who are good, but they're not great. So for those players, I'm sure having the team victory at the end of the season or the faction victory sure. is their main goal. Hey, I might not be able to produce in a championship-level match, but I can contribute enough on the level that I am and, and I can be a role player and get us to the championship overall, the, you know, the, the winning faction at the end, the, uh, the House Cup, if you will, um, at the end of the year. But then the people who are at championship level, the stars, they are thinking about the title. They're not thinking about the team accomplishment. Because when we're going to talk 10 years from now about who are the greats of the game, you're not going to say... Well, you know, I mean, if you look at if you look at this person, you know, they 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 competed on three different championship teams. You know, they were the never the star, but you know, that might not be the argument. The argument is going to be who won the most championships, who had the most win totals as an individual, and it's not at least right as it stands right now. It's not going to be about um, you know which team or you know when you're talking about individual great players, you're not going to say well how many championships did they win as the team. You would think about because when we talk about Michael and LeBron, yeah, it's Okay, yeah, they won the championships. Michael six and zero in the finals, though. I mean, we look at his individual accomplishment, not just the number of times the team won, but you know the six and zero. Oh, he was the MVP, scoring champion. Uh, you know, number one All NBA, All Star appearances, uh, scoring titles, uh, All Star MVPs, Finals MVPs. That's what we're looking at when we're determining the great players. So I think that Michael, as great as those six championships are, those six Final MVPs. They might they might sit with him a little bit differently. He might be a little bit more um, 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 impressed with himself on that, or might hold those a little bit closer to the vest than just the six team accomplishments. Those six individual individual accomplishments are just as much. Yeah, and I also think um, once if the if we can get to more matches in a year, then I think that's when we really. Uh, get that team aspect because right now due to resources and right now you know we just had to deal with skybound and all that it's great but for right now i mean we're still going to be operating as per usual in terms of volume of matches if we can crank up the volume of matches where you know as you say these role players they can actually play more than two or three matches a year let's say they're playing five six seven matches a year where they have these opportunities to add points to the faction total, uh, then I think it becomes a much more inclusive team type of dynamic as opposed to individual uh, accomplishments coming before the team accomplishment. Because like like with the Bulls, right, Mike, uh, you got those six titles. That, those are huge. But then once you talk about the greats of the game, then you look at the individual accomplishments. And I think if you can kind of get that type of uh, dynamic with the Schmodown in terms of the volume of matches played where everyone can contribute on a on a somewhat even level 
then you can look at individual accomplishments within the faction, and then you can start you know sectioning people off in terms of greats and runs and all of that stuff. So I think the key would be to have more matches for even you know the mid tier player, if you will, uh, to to play five or six matches as opposed to maybe like three. So I think that might be a key difference. Yeah, no, no, I mean, and, and I get that. So we're going to see kind of as the season goes along, but I still think that. If you're in a championship match, maybe the triple threat is the exception, but um, you always need to be playing for yourself in those matches and not think, at least in my opinion. I yeah. that's just me. That's I agree. me, but you know what? I have a killer instinct. The Mamba mentality? I, Mamba mentality is what I got, so uh, uh, rest in peace to the great Kobe Bryant. Um, but I will say, it was fun to... I went back and relived a little bit of the... Um, match as it debuted premiered on YouTube on Thursday the Brooklyn event I I did watch the full Brooklyn event with our with our boys from Austin Texas the Cine Fanatics yeah. uh I I watched the the whole show with them and um it, it was fun to sit there and do uh to do that yeah that was uh that's pretty cool um that they kind of went out of their way literally to, to uh quite, do this reaction quite literally. yeah so I, I think that's really cool and I know they they feel a little um, stung about being snubbed for the after show of the year nominations that they weren't a part of that. So uh, also by the way, we we talked about this earlier too a few weeks ago. All these other shows are popping up. I was just on uh, the Finstock Exchange last week with like Larry and the boys over there, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then a certain point of view is another one that popped up, and obviously you have Call to Action, Take Three, all all your mainstays. So. Um, this, you know, this year will be interesting with the after shows, but uh, Sin Fanatics, I, I'm sure they're going to make a they're going to make a strong push this coming year to be make sure Look, they're man, on that ballot. These are my guys now. All right, they're my guys. We broke bread over Mexican food, oh. which in Texas is like essentially swearing a blood oath to one another. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think that they've got the. We talked a lot, and I think they got the right mentality, and they know what they need to do to 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 potentially lock it down this year. So I, I would like to see um, them do well, if, if for no other reason, to win it for the state of Texas. And uh, you're right. There's so many shows popping up. Did you get that? I got an, uh, a DM about you and I uh, appearing on a show together. Did you get that DM? I think, yeah. But against one another? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I mean, can I say it? I don't care. So, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so, so I think that Frank and I are going to be doing schmo baits eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to strongly consider that the first thing that we debate on that show is that they're they need to change the name. <laughs> I don't like Schmo Bates. Really makes me. I think we talked about this before. But do you remember Idiocracy? Yeah. Where um um Dak Shepard is sitting there and like someone knocks on his door and he's like, "Not now, Baiting." Right. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's what that. Yeah, that's right. Every time I hear Schmo oh, Bates, that's what it makes me think of. Uh, Not now, Baiting. That's um, funny. Anyway. Not not appropriate for the children. I'm sorry. Uh, the boat moves on. But I think that we might be on Schmobates. But, Frank, we've meandered enough through this top part of the show. Um, we have big big things to discuss because we have our first in-studio match that went down this week. And i got to be honest with you. If you would have told me at the beginning or at the end of Season 6, literally at the spectacular, that one of my most anticipated matches for Season 7 was going to be Robert RB3, I didn't want to butcher his name, I almost said Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, Robert Butler III, RB3, against the bandit 
Ben Goddard, who had never played in the movie trivia showdown before. If you if you would have told me that that was going to be my most anticipated match, I would have not believed you. Yeah. But the buildup these two guys had on SEN Live and just their their characters and even the whole like Bagel Boy Bandit Bagel Man thing, like with Ben Goddard a couple weeks ago, where he you know wanted to change the name. That even made me more interested in it. Like, oh my god! Like now now you got to deliver. Yeah. Right? Everyone has to bring it. And I, I knew that RB3 hadn't been super successful in the movie trivia showdown, especially from an individual perspective. But I know that this guy knows his movies. Right. He might be younger than you and I both, but the man loves the film. He understands the film. He might think Kendrick Lamar is the GOAT. Terrible take. But he enjoys the films. And I defer to him on those. And I think that um, I, I was riding with RB3, and I think you and I both predicted it. We're, and, and then leading up to it, I just felt like, I don't know. Is I don't know if Ben's supposed to be a heel, but against RB three, how can you kind of not be? Right, anybody yeah, inherently a you're just going to be uh, a heel. Label as a heel if you're playing RB three. If you do anything, if you if you had so much sneeze in his direction, um, but right. In terms of like anticipation of this match, I, I personally would not use that word. I would say intrigued. So intrigued. wasn't okay. wasn't that I was like anticipating like oh i gotta see this i was intrigued to see the matchup intrigued to see what what ben would do at the desk and and intrigued to see what rb3 would bring after a few years not playing in teams or in singles uh and so i was curious to see where his level of knowledge has gone and then obviously you know uh ben goddard has been you know streaming on his on his twitch channel you know, watching mat old matches and stuff like that so i was wondering how that would you know help him out and how he would play and uh look this is a great opening uh studio match uh to start season seven and you know, uh, I, I I heard that Ben was doing that, and I thought that that was great strategy. Not only is it preparing you for the game and almost giving you reps, right? Because we always talk about it. Um, you know, Michael Jordan would get reps in the gym. He'd shoot the shot a thousand times uh, before he'd move on to the next one. And I think that with with Ben Goddard not having ever played before, he had to kind of simulate that experience. And by him doing that via watching the old matches is smart for one, and then for two. We know that old questions are going to get recycled this season, and we're going to see some from those pre- prior seasons. So, you know, rewatching them all from season maybe one all the way up to season six, it can only help because you might, hey, oh, wait, I heard that when I was watching, sure. you know, Roca versus Christian or whomever, right? So I think that uh, I thought that Ben was, Ben also, this was a must win for him. And it's funny that oh, we're yeah. starting off that way. But so Ben's an O fighter. Coming coming into this, right? It reminds me of CM Punk when he came into the UFC. And uh, when CM Punk came into the UFC, a lot of hype around him. Very visible guy. The whole fan base was was anticipating that match and was intrigued by it because it's like, hey, man, if CM Punk could come out here and fight, that's great. If he doesn't win, well, hey, we tried and get to the back of the line, kid, maybe go back to pro wrestling. And I was thinking if Ben Goddard comes out here, and doesn't connect. He swings and misses, but doesn't hit at all, or at least show us something impressive, right? At least it shows something impressive. Yeah. If he just got washed out, I would never need to see another match of his. Take a seat, you know, go back to SCN Live. Don't, I don't need to see you in the Schmodown. I like you there. Stay there. So I thought that this was must win for Ben Goddard, and if RB3 lost, he lost before. 
We love RB3. He can do no wrong in our eyes. So I really thought pressure was on Ben Goddard. Yeah, I think I think that's that's fair to say, especially when it comes to first round performance, because that's usually the bar at which you kind of gauge where a player is at. If they're you know hitting six, seven perfect rounds, then they're probably a pretty decent player. But if you're always meandering around four or five points, hit the occasional six, then to me, especially now, the way the game is structured in the first round, especially now, if you're hitting four or five points, you're in some serious trouble. Because I, w- I went back and looked at the past couple of years in terms of first round performance and and perfect rounds going eight for eight. In 2000. Uh, 18 and 2019 last year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2017, 2018 uh, combined, there were 14 instances of players going eight for eight combined in two years. 14, 2017, wow. 2018. Last year alone, there were 20. In one year, wow, that's last a, year. That, that's a pretty impressive uptick. So, and there, there's a there's a couple factors for that that I think people could point to, you know, in terms of how the questions are uh, um, presented, uh, the fact that more players are studying, taking it more seriously. So I think there's a there's a number of factors why that number went up, but that's a huge, huge jump. And already when you look at the the three matches we've had this year, we've had three perfect rounds out of seven players. So I, I think yeah. you know. If, yeah, if you're yeah, dwindling yeah. around four and five, you got a problem in the first round. You got a problem. It's just that's just I, I, how I, the league's I, going now. I and I agree. I agree that that, that you you definitely had to you had to bring it. You had to bring it coming into this, and I think that Ben Goddard and RB three definitely they they both took this match seriously, and they knew that he, they needed to perform and they needed to show off and show out for their teams because this being the first studio match, we knew that the managers would probably be very hyped very uh, uh, involved, even more so than we saw in the Brooklyn match. Because in the Brooklyn match, it's a live event. You kind of have to, you got to like kind of lay out a little bit as the manager and let your players work on the, on the live event stage. But in the studio, I think you can be a little bit more hands-on and, and, and even be more in the moment. Because I think that in a live event, when people are yelling and screaming and cheering and booing or whatever, it could throw you a little bit. I think in the studio, there's still some of that noise going on, of course, but you can kind of pay more attention to the game and talk to your other faction mates and be like, oh, should I go there? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, and, yeah. and strategize a little bit more. Saying that, both these guys came to play in round one. Um, they both went out there, went eight for eight, got both got the bonus. I mean, it's nine to nine after round one, and this what this is what I wanted to see uh, from these two competitors here in the first studio match of season seven. Absolutely. This is exactly what you need to see. And what I think you're alluding to in terms of Ben, how he needs to show up and perform. And also, like I said, I wanted to see what see where RB3 had progressed to in terms of his knowledge uh, compared to the past couple of years uh, when he was playing, uh, when he played a few matches. So for them to come out with perfect rounds, uh, I thought that makes that that's good. That makes sense. That's that's what should happen because, right. like I said, if you're if you hit five or six, then I'll, I'll be like, oh, well, the jury's still out. I'm not writing you off, but because anyone can have a bad, an off first round, especially in your debut, I'm not writing you off. Right. But this to me 
shows that both of these guys, despite what happened in the other two rounds, which we'll get to, uh, this to me shows that, A, they can be great. They can probably be really, really good team members if that's all they were going to do, especially in regards to RB3. Um, he could be a really great complimentary team player if he's going to put up seven, eight points in the first round. It's huge. Same thing with Ben and, and when he teams up with Silvestrini uh, whenever they have their team match. Uh, so the fact that they did this in their in the opening match for the for the studio at least uh, was great to see. And in terms of scouting the potential, at least for Ben, because I think with Goddard, he seems to be more um, invested in a long term uh, presence in the showdown in terms of being consistently playing and going for big matches and big wins and titles. Presumably, obviously, if you're playing in the Shimona, you probably want to win a title. RB3, I think he's always been someone that I kind of viewed as a fun player to watch because he's just that he's always been that lovable, friendly guy that you see on Shmozno or now on SEN, and you just cheer for him because he's just the best dude uh, in this space. So you always want to see him do well. I don't know if his aspiration was to have a huge Shmodown career, but I think Ben Goddard does. And so that's why I was really in, uh, intrigued to see what Ben would do here, and he started off great. And also, by the way, real quick, in the promo stuff, they referenced uh, that little uh, joke I threw at, at Goddard. So, um, and then at, to close out his, his promo, you know, he said, I'm going to show you how much I know. So, what I'm basically saying is, um, I'm going to take credit for the win that Ben had, since it's really, it was really just kind of to shut me up. So, good. So, you're welcome, Ben. So, you're welcome. Look, man, Everybody needs a little motivation right. sometimes. And I think that's all that, that, that nice joke was. Which, by the way, that joke had massive legs. I didn't expect for it to, to land so well and then and then continue on. Because they shot these these matches, when, a week ago? Just about, yeah. Two? two Ro- one rumor. or two weeks yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you follow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's it's stuck in somebody's crawl a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah. That's all I'm saying. I don't know which, you know, I don't know if he was more upset about that or the bagel stuff, but it, that that definitely stuck out to him. And here's the thing. When, when the draft was coming up, I was talking to several managers, and people were asking me, hey, who do you think you should pick up? And I have no bones about the fact that I will tell you exactly who I was. I was throwing out, I was like, Chandru, that's my guy. you got to pick up Chandru. He's a good pick. Um, there were a few other people I thought. I said, Video Drew, that's somebody you need to look out for. I think that she's a she's a great addition to a team. And then I was talking to more than one manager. I said, you need to draft Ben Goddard. I know we don't know anything about him, but there are a lot of things working in his favor. When I hear him on SEN Live, I feel like he knows what he's talking about. He seems knowledgeable about movies. He doesn't just seem like a guy who is a fan of the show and then got on the show without a knowledge base. He's He's definitely a movie watcher. Secondly, high visibility. When you are seen all the time and people are talking to about you all the time, or or they're uh, or, or you're always in the public, you know, conversation in some ways in the, in this community, the more visible you are, well, the more marketable you are. The more marketable you are, hey, we might be able to put this guy in a couple matches. Hey, maybe he draws some numbers. At the end of the day, this is just like a fight promotion. It's just like a wrestling promotion. It's just like a sports promotion. If you draw attention and people are interested in seeing you compete. You're going to get more matches, right? So I thought, one, he's high visibility. Two, I think he's got a knowledge base. And three, um, I don't have a three. There was one just and a two. two. Just one and uh, two. Three. <laughs> one and two. Yeah. Frank, I cannot hear you anymore. 
Uh-oh. But um, I, I thought that those those are my things here. Hold on. I think I know why. Okay, there we go. Um, those, are, those are my reasons there. So I thought that he would be a good draft pick. And now, seeing that he has that 9-for-9 nine nine knowledge base, I mean, sure, it's, it's you know, first round. A lot of times we've seen people have perfect rounds. Um, uh, Elliot Dewberry being amongst them. Sometimes the, 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 the questions just line up especially for you. But Ben Goddard impressed me, and I think that the Den picking him up, that was a great pick. And, I, and this is how I felt just after round one. Yeah, I think actually during the draft, uh, even though I made that joke, I, thought, I think it was still, for all the reasons you had said, the high visibility and all that, it was still a, someone should have taken him within the first six rounds, and, and that happened. So, yes, it was it was a nice joke, and it was kind of, you know, kind of set up. I mean, so it was like, just why not take it? But, yeah, um, you had to. No, I think absolutely for the reason you stated. Even with RB3, I thought it was still would be a good yeah. pick because of... Similar reasons, you know? So, yeah. And now these two guys are playing the first studio match of the year. So, there you go. I also think Ben understands the game from the showmanship aspect, right? I think that he understands there's, there's for the most part, I think he understands the characters. He understands the, the trash talk of it all. And I think that he's a fan of the game. I think RB3 is a fan of the game, too. Yeah. I think Ben's a fan of the game. Meaning, like, I'm watching this, I'm thinking about strategy. And I think there are a lot of managers who saw RB3. I'm I'm not taking away from RB3, but I'm just saying this is the first time we're seeing Ben, so that's why he's kind of fresh on my mind. I think there are a lot of managers who are saying, damn, I should should have taken Ben. I think I should have taken Ben uh, Ben, uh, Goddard. I think that was the the way to go, at least in my opinion. Now, let's let's go to round two. uh, Break it down for me. RB3 is the favorite because he's the only one who's competed before. He defers to Ben Goddard. Ben Goddard gets up there and spins. I think movie release dates first. Yeah. And then he spins away. And then what did he land on? He landed on Middle Earth. But I want to ask you something about oh. about this second spin he did. And I want to know if, if this... I, I noticed the same thing, but go ahead. So he, he moves the slice that it's landed on, which is movie release dates, and he I believe he puts it right back onto Spinner's Choice and then spins. And even you heard Ken Napsok talk about, oh, he's, I don't know, you could do that or move it. He's moving it to a position that he likes. And so for people who may not know, uh, Ben Goddard was helping uh, the production of the Schmodown on, on shoot days all last year, for most of last year, and if not all last year. And you might have seen him in Orlando and, you know, recently in New York, obviously, you know, helping with the live events. So, it's not like this is super hidden knowledge that I'm throwing out there. Just if you didn't know, now you know. Now you and know. I, <laughs> right. So I say that to say that Ben has had a lot of time, could have had a lot of time practicing the old wheel spin for the day he eventually plays in the showdown. So now my conspiratorial mind goes into this mode of he specifically placed it back onto Spinner's Choice because he knows that given where the slice he's looking for is on a particular spot on the wheel, if he does a particular force on the wheel, that if he's practiced it enough, he can get it to land on the slice that he wants. But it has to start on the slice, on a specific slice. So therefore, he moves it away from movie release dates, which was like a quarter of the way around the, the wheel, puts it on there, gives it that force that, that he had practiced, and... 
let's see if it it happens. Maybe that's some sort of strategy on his part. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just thought it was weird to move it to that specific slice or to move it that specific amount of slices away to spin because round is round. It's all, it's, I don't, you know, so what's the purpose of doing that? Okay, it could it could be one of one of two things. I think one, it could be he's had experience with the wheel before. He has prior wheel spinning experience, and he knows something that you and I don't know, never having spun the wheel before. Or two, it's just one of those nervous ticks, right? Could be. It's like when a when a free throw player bounces the ball twice. You know, I mean, an NBA player at the free throw line bounces the ball twice, shakes his shoulder. And, you know, spins around before he shoots. It's just one of those maybe nervous ticks. It's like, okay, this is what just, this is my, this is my routine. I just got to get in routine. I got to get in routine. And it's like an OCD thing, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's any real benefit to it, placing it in a different way. I've seen, it's, he's not the first player I've ever seen do that. I think he might be one of the first I've seen do it on a respin. At least, at least I will say this. It registered in my mind when he did that. Uh, so it's funny that you bring it up. I'm like, oh, I, 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 can you do that? And it, I don't know if it begs the question that maybe we should look into that if there is any sort of advantage. I don't think that there is, and I think that that might be just taking it a, a little too far because there's so many variables yeah. uh, depending on where that wheel is going to land, and it depends on really still the very, individual has spinning it. still very um, random. Yeah, I think that you know it'd be hard to game it. But – People know how to game, you know, stuff in Vegas. You I know, might, they know I might to... have to conduct my own special investigation, Brad. I might have to go out there, go to that studio, look at that wheel, and conduct my own investigation. I, you know, I mean, it might be and, worth and it, but, but, but I will say this: <laughs> it didn't really work out for him very well because he landed on Middle Earth, which um, I think he did put on the wheel because he if did? I re- because there was quite a a holler from the audience, and I believe it was Kate who cheered. That when he landed on middle, because first of all, is RB three going to put Middle Earth on the wheel? I don't no, think so. No. And hmm. why would the game makers put an inner geekdom slice on there if it's not requested? So, and look, I could be wrong that he didn't put it on the wheel, but I think he did, and that's why it also leads me to believe he positioned the wheel the way that he did to land on one of the two slices he wanted. Okay, because cause I got, and, and maybe this is into his strategy, because for some reason, when he landed on it, I felt like he wasn't pleased with it. But he ended up doing well in Middle-earth. Yeah, he did pretty well. I mean, he got three out of the four for uh, five points. Um, so, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it was... But also, again, look, they're not Intergeekdom level Middle-earth questions. They're your run-of-the-mill, fancy sci-fi, general trivia, schmodown general trivia uh, Middle Earth question. So, uh, and you know, the first two he popped off pretty confidently, pretty easily, and he got a little bit tripped up out there on the last two. Went to multiple choice, was one of two on the multiple choice, um, and even RB three couldn't steal on that fourth one that that Ben missed. But um, I mean, it could have been one of the two slices that he that he was aiming for. So I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there that day, but um, you know. Again, it is, just because it he positioned it made, made my mind go all weird. Because I I never seen anybody move it that drastically from where it was originally. You know, so it, it it is interesting. It is interesting. So we'll we'll have to look at that a little bit closer. And, and look, I, 
far as I know, that's not against the rules. It's not against the rules because they let it happen. And you're right. It, some people in the past have moved it for whatever reason in a particular way. And and it is what it is. So, you know, I just think yeah. it all determines – it all depends on the amount of access to the wheel players have prior to the match because not everyone can sit there and spin it and then go – all right, that's how much force I need for that slice or whatever, you know. So it's all now, it's all very random, you know. I did notice, speaking of wheel spins, RB3 definitely spun from the pegs. Well, this is the different this is a different wheel. I don't care. He spun from the pegs though. I did notice it. Are the pegs now permitted or can we spin from the pegs? I guess so, because this looks like the old wheel that Stacy broke. Yeah, the old new wheel. The old new wheel that right. Stacy had broke, but they fixed it because it's because there's still a lot of room on the outside with the slice. So, but um, yeah, I guess. But that it wheel, did, yeah, you can. Like a, it didn't seem like a garbage truck full of uh, Coca Cola cans anymore. Though. No, that's it didn't true. Sound like that. That's true. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I they cut, maybe even, they cut that on post. Though we can't tell. I them don't that. know if it even matters at this point. <laughs> yeah. I will say, speaking of post production, the graphics look a little sharper. Look a little yeah. crisper. I know. I noticed they just look a little bit better. I like the backdrop for the season seven instead of the old um, posters and like kind of the wood planked wall. Um, all small things, yeah. but for me, I appreciate look. them all because it just freshens it up a little bit. At Reality Wrestling, we literally the other week we just painted our post, our ring post, white, and it made everything look different. And it's such a small difference, but it's like brightens up the show and you know doesn't feel like the same old show when people are watching. Right, right, right. Um, so then RB three goes up. And walk me through his round two. So he initially lands on family films. He spins again, and I will note he moves it a little bit, but not as much as Goddard. But he spins again, and he uh, ends up on fantasy sci-fi. He ends up going three of four for four points. So getting fifty percent of those available points. Not exactly um, what he wanted to do. I mean, he was, you know, he goes multiple choice in the first two, which is fine. Then he hits two points on that third question. Great. That means he's within one point uh, of Ben. So if he hits two on that fourth question, then he's, he's up by one. Right. So mm-hmm. he was he was in great great position there, but then he has to check the multiple choice. Okay, fine. You'll tie uh, Goddard if you get it right. He misses. Goddard gets the steal, and it's just the second worst thing that could have happened for RB3 at that moment because now Goddard has a two-point lead which isn't the worst thing I, I always say if you if you can stay within two going to that last round that's great because if you're at three that means you have to answer your two and your three to begin with and the pressure is more on you so the fact that rb3 was within two played a pretty good game there in the second round all things considered even with him missing that fourth question i thought he played great through the first two rounds both guys did uh so it, this was a close one and and a fun one up to this point yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think that that I can't remember what the question was that that last question RB three had, um, but I thought I thought that it was one that he should have known when he went to multiple choice on. You know, it you was the uh, oh no, what was it? The uh, let me see, it was an answerable question. Mm-hmm. No, I can't. I, I can't. I can't, I can't pull it. I can't. Pull I knew it. it whatever it was, because uh, I remember being like, "Oh, RB three, you got this. I know it. You know it. I know it. You know it. I know it. You know it." And he didn't know it. Um, and then we go to round three, and round three, I I just didn't I didn't feel my confidence in RB three sw- sw- was swayed a little bit. 
I just didn't feel like the momentum was on his side. And it, I mean, it was like when I was watching the Rockets and the Lakers the other night, I felt, I felt like the the Rockets were pulling it off, right? Even in their small ball lineup, you had you felt the momentum going their way. I mean, they were like forty four percent from three. It just felt like it was got everything was hitting for them, and and they ended up winning that game. And I felt it was the same for Ben Goddard here. I thought that even though he wasn't favored coming into it. And I had RB3. You had RB3. A lot of people thought RB3 was going to pull it off. Um, momentum was just on the man's side. And he and it really, I, even though it was a one-point differential, it, it could have been a mile at that point. I just felt I just felt that way. And was I wrong at this point in feeling like that, Frank? I think once RB3 missed that, that two-pointer in the final round, it's hard to recover from that. I mean, especially when you're yeah. down two already to begin with. So, uh because now you're banking on Ben missing two questions in that final round. And sure, he can miss the five, but missing a two and a three, you know, I think up to that point in the match, Ben had proven he is a more than capable player of hitting a two and a three. So, um, you know, he hits, Ben hits his two, and that's all he needed because RB3 hits that Oscars question, the, the Lion King, you know, the three songs nominated for, um, in the same, you know. That's, yeah, mm-hmm for the song of the year or whatever. Um, and then he couldn't close the deal with uh, his five-pointer, which was, um, oh, what was that one? I forget. But uh, I thought I thought he got some, that was a decently hard uh, five-pointer. I remember thinking, I can't recall the question off the top of my head, even though I had just watched it. That's just, I literally just watched it before I, this, too. I don't know why. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. But anyways, uh, you got to be able to hit the twos and the threes and, and I say that because not everybody hits their fives all the time, even if you're Dan Merle, you know. So um, those fives are five pointers, and I for a reason. They do decide matches; they can win you or lose them. And while I don't know if RB three hits the five, it's going to win him the match because he's banking on Ben missing his other two questions. Uh, you know, you got to hit him to give yourself a fighting chance every time you're out there. Yeah, and 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 RB three just it, it he didn't come through with it. Ben Goddard gets his first victory in his debut in the movie trivia showdown, and the Den is on the board with some points. They join the Finstock Exchange as you know the first two wins of the season from the factions, and uh, I and think burning that drugs. burning drugs. Oh, and burning drugs. I'm sorry, usual are, suspects. No, usual suspects. Usual suspects. I'm yeah. sorry, you're right. Yeah. Uh, usual suspects. The Den. And the Finstock Exchange are all on the board, and um, I'm going to be interested to see how this goes, you know, going forward. But I think that Ben Goddard. This is going to sound crazy because I know we have a lot of people out. What are you going to do? What are you doing to me right now? What are you about to do? I know we have what a lot of teams. Why oh, we have Robert Parker? All right, we got we got a lot of them out there. You can try to hit a half court shot, a full court shot right now. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Look, man, I did it with Chance last year. <laughs> He's not winning a championship. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Ben Goddard's not winning a championship this uh-huh. year. Rookie of the year. Okay. Okay. I see it. I see it. The boat sees rookie of the year. I can just see it in him. And Ben, this is from boat to boat to bandit right now. I need you to keep your foot on the gas. I need you to not let this one victory over someone who hasn't had a victory in singles yet boost up the ego too much. You played well. You played good. You played real good. You didn't play great. You weren't perfect. He, he missed I need one you. question. Yeah. 
So is that's one too many. All right. <laughs> I, I, it's definitely I not need perfect. You you're right. <laughs> to go up in your next in your next match, I need you to take a step up in competition. I need you to get ready. I need you to get fierce. I need you to zero in. Mamba mentality. I need you to go out there and prove the boat correct. For no, not for your own benefit. For mine. <laughs> right. Let's see, let's see if let's see if the bandit can pull uh, it out. But any, any any other thoughts about this match? Well, uh, not not really. Actually, I just want to touch on what they talked about on backstage last week about rookie of the year. And you know, I I think it's gonna be Robert Parker because I think he's gonna duplicate it what Kevin Smets did last year. However, if if Goddard can go on a nice singles run, you know. Um, there's a lot of competition because the Barbarians coming in this year, who's been talked up right. a lot. Um, he, and he's in a faction with Ben Bateman, Dan Merrill. John, he's in the FinTech Exchange. So there is just a wealth of knowledge that the Barbarians can have access to. Goddard, being in the den, there's not a whole lot of mainstay experience, a lot of experience to, for him to kind of uh, go and, and seek. I mean, obviously, you know, Brandon Hanna is a very, is a really good student of the game, even though he plays in Inner Geekdom. Obviously, yes, Rachel Silvestrini, who's been following the game for a while and was playing a lot last year. So we'll see if Ben can can challenge for a Rookie of the Year slot because I think Barbarian, Robert Parker, uh, Goddard, um, James White, let's see what he does. I mean, the Jimmy golden White. boy. So the, it's going to be a fun race for Rookie of the Year, but... Look, if you want to be in the race, Ben Goddard started off just as well as, as you would want. And, and so right now, you know. Here's the thing. If I'm – look, I, I'm remember, we're playing for teams this year, right? I'm thinking about I'm thinking about my, guy, my, 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 my guys and my girls out there with the rock stars. Here's the thing, man. Ben Goddard, with another win or two, if he stays undefeated – He's going to be a real good trade chip. There's no way he's being traded. I'm just telling you. If I'm Kate, Kate, he could be a real good trade piece. Rockets, we just moved off Clint Capella. Okay, I won't say I never. I never thought they'd trade Clint. I won't say he won't be traded at all this this year. But, man, it's going to take a whole lot of, of weird things to line up for Kate to trade Ben. And, and maybe, well, which would be, you know what, this would be fun, is if Grace... Well, let's talk about that opening scene real quick. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Because, first of all, it, that was shot really, really well. Uh, the the best-looking shot cutscene I think we've ever had in the showdown. The lighting, the cam- all that was great. It looked phenomenal. And then, I've said it, you've said it many times before on the show, Grace is so great in these scenes. It's so fun to watch her interact with other competitors, now managers. Who's really running the den? Is it Kate or is it Grace? Because I tell you what, it looked a little bit like Grace. And I know Kate is very new. And so it'll be interesting to see how their relationship evolves throughout the season in terms of right now, Kate is deferring and acquiescing to, to Grace because she's been in it longer um, and has more experience and has you know been with champions before. Will Kate slowly but surely stop deferring so much to Grace as the season progresses, especially if, you know, 
all her players start winning. You know, if Ben wins, Rachel wins, Brandon wins, Sean Sullivan wins a match, you know, and Kate's getting full of herself there. Um, it will be interesting to see if, if Kate gets a little bit more, gives more pushback towards Grace. I mean, it's interesting. I, I do agree with you as far as uh, your your comment regarding how great the production looked. The production was on fire. And then as far as Grace, Grace is, is one that, you know, I don't know if I'm Kate, how comfortable I can be, right? I look at it like this because I can only make sports references. <laughs> right. Tillman Fertitta is the is the owner of the Houston Rockets. Daryl Morey is the general manager. Daryl Morey is widely regarded as the best general manager in basketball today. Tillman Fertitta, well, he's Tillman Fertitta. If you know anything about him, he wrote a book called Shut Up and Listen. And I don't know if I feel 100% comfortable with their relationship, and I don't know if I trust Tillman Fertitta 100% to always make the best basketball decision. Grace Hancock... I think, at times, might make decisions that benefit her more personally than they do the entire team. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but think about it. She's got a bit of an axe to grind, right? Especially with corruption, the way everything went with Ken, and her and Ken aren't even on the same faction anymore. She's got the beef with Shannon. You know, she might feel a little bit more... Um, um, uh, motivated to damage them, almost like Winston, right? Winston, I think, made a fatal error where he where he said at the draft, "I'm doing this to take out you," and he points to Eric Zipper. Your motive, your motivation isn't isn't all the way in the right place. And so, I don't know if I'm Kate, if I'm going to always feel comfortable around Grace for that reason, and for every other reason that we've ever seen Grace exhibit in the history of the movie Trivia Schmode, uh, locking people in closets, doing whatever she's got to do to ensure that she gets hers. So um, it will be interesting to see how that kind of progresses throughout the season. Definitely, definitely. And, I, I, you know, like I was saying, if once the fashion gets more wins, is Kate really going to take that and run with it? Or is Grace going to be like, no, 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 I did all this. You're just yeah, out fine. there. Yeah, you're just out there talking with your ridiculous accent, which I thought was great. You know, Grace is saying, you know, to Kate, do it more, piss them off, you know. So yeah. right there, Kate, or I'm sorry, Grace is like endearing herself to Kate. And, and is it for a nefarious reason or is it for yes. an honest reason? No, she is Senator Palpatine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talking to Anakin. That's what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I could be wrong. We'll see how the season progresses. Um, but I do think Ben could be a great trade piece. So I'm just saying, rock stars, you know, I don't know, maybe you flip what Gertler and uh, and uh, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some pieces out there. Or, you know what, if I'm a uh, uh, Finstock Exchange, maybe you flip BC and, uh, you know, flip BC and maybe uh, well, I don't Here's know. the other thing we have to think about in terms of trades because if, like you're talking about trading Ben, well, yeah. what if he's teamed up with Silvestrini? And let's say they got a couple wins. Do they become protected? I don't. I don't know how that's going to work in terms of can you break them up just so you can trade can. Goddard, or is it like they're kind of a package deal now because they have two wins under their belts? So now I you got to trade the Wolf, team. You know, I think Clark Wolf would have to look at it, you know, situationally. Sure. 
Um, but I think that if you weren't drafted as a protected team, I, I don't think that there's any protection. At least that's how I, I would operate. if you're going to trade Ben Goddard, let's say, to the Rockstars, right? Then let's say you trade Ben to Rockstars for Adam Gertler. Then I would say it means that Gertler then has to be a team with Silva Strini because you're like you're replacing in terms oh, okay. of breaking up a team. I think maybe that could be a, a, a requirement if you're going to do a trade like that of someone who's on a team. But if you're going to do it, then you need to replace that team member because then you're just really just asking to break up the team. And yeah. if they have like two, I mean, I you know, that. so I don't know. I get that. I don't know. That's that's. There's new areas we're going to be going in and trying to figure yeah, out. So a lot, a lot of new areas. Um, let's talk real quick uh, about Deep Thirteen versus Paul Preston and Tom, which we're going to see next week, and also Bonnie Somerville versus Brett Sheridan. Uh, Bonnie Somerville versus Brett Sheridan. There's still suspense on if Bonnie is going to make it. I think that if well, you paid attention to her social media, that suspense has been alleviated. <laughs> but yeah. um, as far as we know, we're not sure. And right, we're not sure. Here's the thing, though. No, no. Hey, can I tell you about a friend of mine? A friend of mine would like if there was a big event, right? Like the Jay Z concert or a um, you know courtside at the basketball game or whatever. This man would fake the funk for social media, right? So he would text somebody he knew at the game, or he would take someone else's story or picture from their timeline and post it on his own. And make it seem like he was there courtside. Okay. Or he was there in the building for the Jay concert. Or he had the backstage pass. He would do that just to build himself up in his social media presence. I think it was stu- It was the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. And he was a little bit fugazi for doing it. Shout out to my man. You know who you are. But Fugazi? Fugazi? Gift, Jeff. <laughs> but um, he would do that. And sometimes he would throw people off. Maybe Bonnie, because here's the thing. We I saw Bonnie post a picture on her social saying, guess she showed up or something like that. Right. Hey, we didn't see her in the picture. This is true. We saw a picture of her name. This is true. And the thing is, I, stranger things have happened. All it would take is uh, somebody on her team, Shannon, to go over there and go, this is true. it over. And you're not so wrong. Th- you're not wrong. I am not wrong. God, I would I would I would laugh hysterically if we found out that Bonnie did not in fact show up. We don't know. We we literally still do not know, and we're gonna find out. But I think Bonnie Somerville wins that match. Yeah, I think so. Right? I think, Why wouldn't uh, she? Well, because Brad, Brad could surprise. He could surprise. He could. Do I think it's gonna be a high scoring game? No. No, I, I think they bear. I think it's gonna be like ten to eleven. <laughs> like it could be, you know. I think Bonnie actually doesn't... does a little bit better than that. I think she, she does a little bit better. I mean, because she 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 did she didn't she beat Janine? No, no, no. She took Janine to she, overtime and then lost. Oh, that's right. That's right. She yeah. almost beat Janine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and Janine's pretty good. So and Janine's know, real it, good. It, so it, I think Bonnie. Bonnie then yeah. I think that I think we were gonna see some with Bonnie. But this other one, Deep 13. Real quick, I'm going Bonnie, uh, though. If she gets a slice that she likes, that she wants, that she put on the wheel, then I think it's over. Then I think she's got that match. That's what, it's all, that's what it all depends on for her, I think. Round two. Yeah. Um, and then Deep 13 versus, uh, which is Whitney Seibold and Alonzo Duralde versus um, uh, Tom and Paul Preston. Yeah. Well, the team I'm name is 
Tom and Paul. That's the team name. Is it really? Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's that's the information I got. That I that I I think I saw Christian post this in a I don't Facebook, mind that Facebook group. It's just Tom and Paul, which is yeah. I like that. I was like, okay, cool. I like cool. it. I I can roll with Tom and Paul. Why not Paul and Tom though? Come on now, um, Paul Preston, fight for yours, brother. Um, <laughs> top billing. Uh, but anyway, I'm ex- I'm excited for that match. That's another one of those yeah. new teams that I'm like, wow, like this could be one of the better teams this year, if not a a, a challenge, a, a, a contending team for a championship. It's such a shame, really. If if this match is going to go the way that I think it could go, if these teams are going to play the way that I think they can play, it's kind of a shame they're they're having their debuts against each other because Tom and Paul, I mean, incredible years last year. Tom missed one first round question last year in teams and it was a bonus question. So like just crazy stuff there. Paul Preston, he impressed a lot last year. He had a nice singles tournament run. Uh I think he still got a lot to prove and wants to prove. Uh, you know, they played two team matches. He played two team matches with Adam Witt, and I thought he he played really great in those. So Tom and Paul is a scary duo for sure. They're gonna they're gonna play lights out. Deep thirteen with Whitney and Alonzo. Man, I'm I've been really high on Alonzo. Me too. Going to uh, teaming up with someone like an Ethan Irwin potentially or a Drew McQueenie bubble, those types of people, right? Even still teaming up with Whitney Seibold, who again went on a great run with critically acclaimed, teamed up with Bibiani. They had a shot at the title against the Shirewolves. It was a great match. Uh Whitney singles for whatever reason just kind of didn't really work out. But teams, he's always thrived thrived in teams with Bibs. So and even with Mark Hoyk, um so it'll be interesting to see him with a third different player uh, partner. Uh, see how he performs. I think he'll still do well. Alonzo Duralde, man, I, I think this this guy was he Alonzo Duralde to me is like that missing piece for a championship team. Who if you put him with a one A player, I mean he's like just a tad. He's not one B, but he's not one A either. He's somewhere right in the middle and. Right. With, nothing against Whitney Seibold, but he's never, up to this point, shown that he can take the lead. Or and plus, he's, he was teaming with Bibbs, so it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to look gonna, lesser than no matter right, what, right. just because right. he's not. Um, My thing about Whitney Seibold, Seibold, Seibold is, I think he might be too smart. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? What I mean by he might be too smart is I'm I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that he about his breadth of knowledge about non mainstream critically acclaimed films. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh um kind of remember we saw Lon Harris just have like those really weird blank spots for right. Steven Spielberg movies and it's like how do you not know Steven Spielberg? Um I, I I don't know if Whitney falls in that category, but I have the I just have the feeling that he does. I think that he and this look look, we all have our own preferences and it's hard to watch movies that you don't like, but the greats of this game do it weekly. They watch multiples that they don't like right. to get that knowledge base. And I don't see Whitney Seibold doing that. I see Whitney being such a guy of a refined palate that he'd be like, I am not watching Fast and Furious 4. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, there's yeah, no yeah. way you're going to get him to twist his arm enough to do that. Now, I could be completely wrong, but it's just based off what I've seen him do before the Schmodown, and just based off, I've heard, I've listened to a couple of the critically acclaimed podcasts. He seems to have, a, he's a man of a, of, of a certain refined palate. And uh, that's why I'm I'm not certain of his uh, if his knowledge is going to match um, with Alonzo to go up against Tom and Paul, who seem to know it all. And, and it's for the reason you stated about Whitney, why I like him teamed with Alonzo. Because I think Alonzo's probably more in touch with the mainstream, but also Alonzo Duralde can go in these go in the areas that that Whitney likes a lot, where it may, it may play more to his strengths. Uh, so I like that they're they're team up for that reason. Tom and Paul Paul I think, you know, definitely knows like the mainstream and is up to date and, and, and knows all that stuff. Tom, there's look, great first rounds. Absolutely. Always. It's what let's see what he can do with two pointers and three pointers and can he help deliver on five pointers in a team setting or singles for that matter as well, if if and when he gets into that type of play. So while there's a lot of praise for Tom, absolutely, still be a little cautious in terms of crowning him you know, right now because this game can turn on you in an instant. And, I mean, you can play a lights-out game and still lose the way Ethan Irwin lost to Dan Merle to start off last year. Played a great game. Yeah. Dan Merle just played a perfect game. You can still lose those matches. Lonzo Duralde, um played. He's played in like thirty point matches. He still lost them. Like even Whitney as well with Mark Hoyk. You know they played three points whatever against. Uh, I think it was Take the Cannoli, and they still lost. So bad luck can just ha- can go in your go in your way, even if you play great. And I think Alonzo and Whitney specifically in teams have played really really well. Will Luck be on their side this time? I don't know. Will Tom and Paul do what everybody thinks they're going to do? Probably, but does that still even mean they're going to win? I don't know. Can the dynamic duo foil the plans (laughs) of the Riddler? Will the Penguin be involved? Find out next week. Honestly, this match is is probably one of the biggest team matches, you know, in terms of starting off the year that you could ask for. I mean, I'm really excited about this one. But I, I liked it. I liked that it. it's good against good. You know what I mean? I like I like sure. that. I like the, the UFC mentality of it all, meaning like, hey man, you're gonna fight the best. We're not gonna baby you into a into a title run. We're not gonna get you in contention just because we think that you could be something. Hey, you gotta prove that you're something. And that's what I love about uh the matchmaking um that Christian Harloff and others uh, put together at the at the movie trivia showdown because you are not going to get an easy road to a championship. You are not going to get easy matches just to build up your record. You're going to go out there, especially in season seven, and you're going to have to show and prove. And that's why I'm taking Tom and Paul. And Tom and Paul, man, they, they, they to me they give me that feeling that Shazam gave me to where I haven't seen them play yet. But as soon as I heard that's a team, I'm like, yeah, ooh, that's a great team. I really like that team. And that's what I think about Tom and Paul. So I got them next week. Do you have Tom and Paul, or are you going to go with Deep? Well, I'm rolling with the Den this whole year. So, yeah, obviously. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You're rolling with the Den, my brother. Yeah, because here's um, the other thing. Uh, real quick, Whitney and Alonzo, they're on the Bernie Drews. Robert Meyer Burnett. I can't... Who has more of the advantage in the manager section? The Den or the Bernie Drews? Kate or Robert Meyer Burnett? I got to think Kate is going to have a little bit more, a little more hands-on approach 
in that match than Robert Meyer Burnett might. But Robert Meyer Burnett surprised in New York, so maybe he'll surprise in the manager circle uh, this next week. We will find out. We will find out. Now, Frank, you said that you wanted to run uh, something down regarding the Movie Tradition Showdown website. So let's do that um, before we wrap this thing up this week. Yeah, so I've been working on the the website, theschmodownlive.com, not mm-hmm. triviasd.com. Do not go to triviasd.com. That no is not, more. You can still go there, but it's not updated. There's Nothing's happened on that site for months. I've been getting messages uh, here and there about TriviaSD, how it's not updated, where I can find the records or the schedule, and they're going to TriviaSD.com. Do not go there anymore. Um, go to theschmodownlive.com. As a schedule, stats, rankings, where you can get some merch, you can get live event tickets, the live stream passes, anything you need from the Schmodown, you can get at theschmodownlive.com. Um, now, when it comes to stats and the things that I'm working on, specifically for this year, I've created uh, a, a, a space on that site called the Faction Report. You can go there, it's going to have a, a table of all the factions, how many matches they've played wins, their losses, their knockouts, and most importantly, the the points, uh, the tally of their points. Also, I, I threw in there like the last, there's a little graphic there for the last five match results, whether they won or lost. So it resembles uh, like a, a soccer uh, standings, a table or football if you're from across the pond. Um, it resembles that kind of table. And then beneath that, you can further dive into the, the fashion specifically to see how everyone is playing who's on the roster at a current roster for that faction. So all that information is on the site under the faction report, along with singles and teams records. I just put up the team records on the site. There's some really interesting stuff in there that you might not think um, you would see. So there's stats, uh, records, stats from every single year of the Schmodown, tournament stats. I mean, I also there's a huge post I put in the Facebook group. That I think it was pinned at the top. And on the New York live event, the Brooklyn live event, my I put a comment in there that they did pin on there with all the information and links. So you can go there and get all the information you could ever want or need. Uh, it's one-stop shop, theschmodownlive.com. Go visit. Visit often. All right, man. I, I can dig it. And also, if we're going to plug things, I got a book coming out. It's called Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. It's available April the 14th, Mango Publishing. You can pre-order that book right now. And I got to say, Frank, I, I got the um, the layout right, like the front and back and what the book's actually going to look like. Mm-hmm. I got that the other day. And I'm, 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 I, now, I'm getting excited. Because it's I hardcover, right? It is hardcover. And the thing is, is I, so I was about to go back and read it, and I just can't do it. I can't really? do it. I yeah I just cringe I cringe too much and anything that I do I can't go back and watch this show I can't watch reality of wrestling I can't look back at you know anything that I do I just cringe way too much it's weird the only thing that I've ever been able to go back and enjoy are like songs that 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 we did because it doesn't feel like it's me it feels like it's a like I don't know why I just feel like I can go back and listen to songs anything else I can't do it I can't do it I hate it I I hate everything that I create I think that's the mark of a true artist. But um, I uh, got the book coming out. I think that you'll like it. <laughs> so go back, back from the future book. I don't know. I mean, even his own, even the own author won't read their own book. Not a great endorsement, Brad. Well, no. I, I look. I, <laughs> I wrote your damn thing. I know, I know what's in it, but okay. it's just it's hard okay. for me to go back. I'm gonna quiss you then. I don't know. Yeah. I think that I think that it's like somebody. 
you know, like going back and watching your stand-up set, it's it's a little painful. Um, and it's just like, oh, God, I could have said this or I could have tightened this. Sure. I don't know, man. It's just I, I don't like my own work. I'm one of those self-critics. I think that a lot of people can probably um, sympathize with me on that or empathize rather. But I think that everyone's going to love it. Uh, Backfromthefuturebook.com, uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound. And here's the other thing. Uh, on the podcast this week, Back to the Future podcast, I had Kevin Smets on. And we did an hour and a half together, and we we cast Back to the Future for 2020. Did you did you uh, get a chance to listen to any of I it? Did he sent me the link, and I meant to listen to it before we did the show, and I, I haven't had a chance, but I am going to listen to it because I was sending him some suggestions, and uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what you guys came up with. It's, uh, yeah. uh, spoiler alert: We mainly went with my ideas. Kevin Smith was casting a weird movie. At some points, at some points, I didn't know what what, what also, movie he, he was casting. So, so he had fun, is what you're saying. He had fun. He had fun. Oh, with we, it. you did it. We had okay. no, no, no. We had a lot of fun <laughs> doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so there's definitely a lot of options out there. So go check that out. And then also this week, can you have had Queen Latifah as Strickland? I mean, that'd be great. He didn't have that, but he had. Not you're not far off. So go go check okay. out uh, his. Go check out that uh, Back to the Future podcast. I think you can go to back back to the future podcast.com and get that. And then also um, this week on the Brad Gilmore show, I had Corbin Burnson on. And um, Corbin Burnson was from Major League, uh, L.A. Law, Psych. Um, he played Richard Dorn in Major League. He was the shortstop. You don't remember Major League? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay, in, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha in the now. sequel, he owns the team. Right, right, so, right, right. Um, we were talking, and I came up with a great idea for another Major League movie. Just picture this. Think about it. The Indians are coming off a World Series win, and it comes out that they cheated to win the World Series by banging on trash cans and stealing oh signs. Okay. So, they fire. So, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember at the end of Major League 2 if Corbin Burnson's still the owner of the, of the Indians at the end of it. I think that he, he might be. But Corbin Burnson fires the manager and the general manager, right, and, and all the coaches of the team. And he hires uh, Willie Mays Hayes, Jake Taylor, and 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 uh, oh, Wild man. Thing, uh, Wild Thing, uh, what was his name? Vaughn. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was his first name? Uh huh. What was his first name? Wild Thing. Rick Vaughn. Rick Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He I thought you were an actor. Not Charlie Sheen, but yeah. but he but yeah, Rick Vaughn. He hires all three of them back, and w- Willie Mays Hayes is going to be the the. Uh, the uh, manager, Jake Taylor, is the general manager, and then Wild Thing Rick Vaughn's the pitching coach. Oh my gosh! And, I do and, this, and, and they do this to ingratiate themselves back with the fans because the fans have turned on them. The Indians right. fans have turned on them, even though they won the World Series. They cheated to win. The city of Cleveland's against them. So now you bring back the original guys from Major League to try to uh, rehab this team, and you have some young guns who have similar you know stories that the first guys did. So I think that I think that we have something here. I do we have like something that. here. I do like that. We have something here for Major League. I don't know. Mark Riley, I know that you write movies. Let, let's work on this. Mark Riley, <laughs> right, come on, right, man. Right. Let's write a script for the new Major League movie. I think that this can work, people. It's a good idea. It's a real good idea. I'd like to make it happen. So check out that podcast to uh, Brad Gilmore's show. But anyway, Frank, anything else you want to say? That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm looking You're forward done? To, I'm looking forward to getting these matches underway, man. Let's do it, man. Well, for Frank Janice, you can follow him at FrankieJ29. I am Brad Gilmore. You can follow me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. This is the Schmodown Rundown, and we will see you all next week.